What is happening, everyone? Welcome to episode 132 of your favorite podcast, the Gordon Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Haley, alongside my co-host, Brandon Long. And today, we're going to talk to you about the five phases of training mastery. I think you guys are really in for a treat. I thought this was a really, really eye-opening session. I think it's going to add a lot of clarity to where a lot of you are in your current fitness uh, or competition journey. As always, Gordon Eye Podcast brought to you by Revive Supplements, brought to you by Raw Supplements. Use code Haley at checkout. Please rate us five stars. I'd greatly appreciate it if you do. I'll see you inside. All right. Uh, in yesterday's drop, 131, which I know a lot of you guys really enjoyed um, and, and found some gold stuff in there, which, of course, I always appreciate. I told you that today we're going to talk about faces of training mastery, and this something is going to apply to any and every listener um, who's out there. And, um, you know, the goal of the podcast is always to have some more golden stuff in there. Um, and, you know, something that... I notice the more folks I talk to um, and, and really just interact with overall, um, the more it seems there's like uh, slight confusion on where people exactly fall within fitness. And I think this is why, um, well, a few things. I, I think the confusion leads to people just being like, I want to compete. It's like you see someone at the gym do it, like they get the adulation, they look really cool, um, they look hardcore, um, but it's likely the you know attention that they garner that kind of drives people early on to want to compete. Yeah, wanting to compete is uh, like people like to do it for like I want to lose a ton of weight, yeah. so I'm gonna do a competition. Yeah, and like you know, that's, that's gonna kind of force me to lose you know 50 pounds or whatever. It's it gonna is. like hold you accountable. It's like this dangling fruit, right? right. That you constantly chase. Mm-hmm. Which, quite frank, sums up bodybuilding quite well. It's like a, it's like a never-ending rabbit that you just like really want to chase down, mm-hmm. right? And like that rabbit's constantly changing, um, because you know you might catch one, um, you might catch your first overall win, and then that rabbit changes to a national stage top five, and then you get your first national stage top five, you might catch it, and immediately thereafter, there's a rabbit that's released that's a national win. Uh, you know, which obviously gets you an IPV pro card, and like it continues to like um, elevate, but I think a lot of people get stuck in this confusion phase of like, all right, what do I, what do I want to do? Where do I want to go? And as we know, humans inherently want to belong to something. Humans really value community, um, and especially in America, I know there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of hypothesis why folks in America, um, you know, crave community more than other countries. Actually, one um, one very popular one is uh, the lack of intelligence of Americans. Wow. Is why people have problems standing on, you know, their own two feel like they need to like cradle the other people yeah yes yeah. So they feel like they want to be part of like a tribal mm-hmm. part if you will um and you know i'm not sorry see like some days i agree with that because i like look at some shit that's going on and i'm like oh my god that's so stupid and other days my dude like we're pretty fucking smart like, we're doing well yeah who knows maybe we're all fucking idiots <laughs> i don't know but for some reason in america that community is really craved much more than many other cultures and, you know, that's likely why everything kind of blows up, um, everything kind of blows up here first, right? Um, I don't know if that's like a good or a bad thing, but we kind of seem to be trendsetters um, for, you know, other countries around the world and, you know, bodybuilding 
uh, you can definitely point to that one and say there was a huge trend uh, that was set here. So maybe we as Americans are dumbing down the whole world. I don't know. There's a lot of data that would probably support that. I thought you meant blow up as in like blow up in our face. <laughs> I was <laughs> like that too. Fucking might. Yeah. I We're mean, the first that, ones to do it. Like yeah, make a, you know, yeah. a trend out of things. That's probably going to blow up. Yeah, so, sometimes you're going to lose. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you win a little bit more than you lose. But so people get stuck in this phase and they get frustrated because X, Y, and Z doesn't happen. And it seems like some other folks just have things more put together, right? Like you might be a woman who follows someone like Megan, um, who's really hardcore, or Nadia, uh, you know, Revive Nadia, who's really, really hardcore. Someone like Danielle, mm -hmm. who's really hardcore. Um, and you might kind of watch these people and be like, fuck, like they have it all figured out. Like it's, it's, it's all right there. And like, why can't I just figure out like that secret sauce? Why can't I just come up with that secret sauce, right? Um, and it gets frustrating. They it gets they compete, really frustrating. Oh, yeah. they compete. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, so all these people compete, and they're all really good competitors. Obviously, Nadia is a very elite competitor, but they're all really good competitors. And, you know, pretty girls, and, you know, they have their shit together. You know, it seems from so what you see on social media, I can confirm they all have their shit together. I'm friends with them. Right. IRL in real mm -hmm. life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it, it can almost be demoralizing for people who don't have an answer. I want you to kind of know, um, you know, this is more of a lighthearted message. It's going to get hardcore later on in the podcast. Podcast, but like it's okay to not have a fucking answer, right? Right, like, it's all right to like not really know what you're doing, why you're going to the gym for anything like that. But as long as there's some sort of intrinsic goal that you're chasing, which is just self improvement or physique improvement or getting stronger, you know, XYZ, like, dude, there's places, you know, for all those things within um, body building. So, not like the bodybuilding community, but people who are just like body builders who just train Spaces. to build their body. Yeah, body space builders. <laughs> CrossFit, powerlifting, mm -hmm. um, which I think powerlifting is really slept on one. Because I do, I get strong. It's fun as hell to get strong. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, so, like, I, I definitely wish more people would kind of shift into powerlifting for their community um, component. Because, I, like, I'm not going to say it's easier to be a good powerlifter than competitor, but it kind of, it's easier to be a good powerlifter than competitor. Right. Not, not, not easier. It's more suited for more people. Because there's definitely genetic gifts in powerlifting that you need to have to be elite. But to, you know, be competitive at powerlifting, you don't, you, you know, you can be less genetically gifted, mm -hmm. um, train well, train hard, um, you know, put time and effort in and, you know, you'll probably be better. Whereas like training well, training hard, a little bit of time and effort and bodybuilding is still not going to get you very far. Right. Um, so I don't mean like. I don't, I don't mean to act like bodybuilding is on this massive pedestal. I think a majority of people are going to agree with that statement. I think probably should be something more people get involved in. But when I started training, um, my first exposure to the gym scene um, was back for high school basketball. And, dude... Like, man, I, I, I can remember some of these workouts we had. You know, we'd take like a 45-pound plate, and it was mostly like mental toughness. Mm -hmm. We'd take a 45-pound plate, and we'd have competitions with the basketball team who can hold it out front of their body for the longest, who can hold it above their head straight arms for the longest, who can hold like a wall set for the longest. Uh, I remember we would bench press. We'd box squat. Are you working out like with the team? Like, yeah, with class, the team, or is it... and like the coach was just taking us through it. 
Um, just after school? Yeah, yeah. This was after basketball practice. After too. practice, you would train? It was train? either after or an off-season before wow. we would train. It was hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we just did really basic stuff. Like, it's not like, the, you know, co- we had a great basketball coach. It's not like he really knew, you know, what was going on in the gym, right? I um, mean, you know, that was like my first introduction was like the mental toughness component. Complete side note. And Are you guys good? Yeah, fuck yeah, we were good. You guys were good? Yeah, we were really good. Wow. And so, you know, like his, the, the, the mental toughness component that he kind of instilled in us there in the off season. I mean, um, you know, we we were a school, um, we're a small county school. Uh, we played in a competitive conference. Um, I think I mean, we, we won the conference, man. We might have won every year. Um, we, I mean, we were good. Right. We were good. Um, you know, there were teams outside of, well, I mean, we competed against a lot of the Dayton schools, and Dayton's some yeah. of the best basketball right. there is in America. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we would hang. Yeah. Um, they, they beat us every time. You guys had a lot of mental but toughness. We would hang. Um, yeah, man, we, we were very mentally tough. He did a really good job of um, looking back, very good job of unity. We definitely all had our differences outside of the game. Um, but, you know, the, the game of basketball is a very powerful game. And it can really do magical things in bringing 12 people together to work towards one common goal. And he did a really good job of that. Like, we were just going to suck you apart. Yep. And we, you know, we, we knew we didn't have anyone dropping 30 a night. We you didn't just played have as anyone a team. for Mr. Basketball. We played as a cohesive unit. And, honestly, no one really cared about who led the team in scoring or rebounds or anything like that. We just, we really wanted to win, and that was because of him. Um, he did a really good job of that. It was a lot of the Bobby Knight mold, who mm-hmm. he really looked up mm-hmm. to, but, he, you know, he coached just like Bobby Knight, too. It was fiery. It was passionate. It was in your fucking face. Yeah, loud. Um, yep. Loud. Sometimes it was embarrassing mm-hmm. and humiliating, but, you know, you kind of need that, right? Right. Um, if you can't handle humiliation, you don't really deserve to win, <laughs> like, oh, in yeah. my opinion. Um, so... That was kind of my introduction. And then, you know, from there with, you know, obviously I uh, decided to pursue track only my senior year uh, because there was some college um, interest that was garnering there. And I decided to kind of go all in, realize running uh, winter track was more important than basketball. You know, at the time, looking back, I definitely regret that. Um, but <laughs> I started like training on my own, doing some plyometrics, doing some stuff. Um, there was a janitor at the gym. Uh, I can't fucking remember his name. Janitor at the gym who would let me in every night. He wasn't supposed to. Mr. Hickman. Hey. Mr. Hickman. He would let me in every single night. What a guy, man. What Mr. a guy. Hickman. I wish I could connect with him so What if badly. he's listening right now? Um, he's not. Oh. He, to, to be honest with you, it's likely that he's not with us anymore. I'm actually, I'm going to look him up after this and, yeah. and, you know, see if he is. He would be, man, he would be in his mid to late 80s at this point. Okay. Uh, Mr. Hickman believed in me. He was one of the first people to believe in me. And he'd bring me in. And he would show me some lifting stuff that, you know, he, um, you know, would have his team, he used to coach basketball, would have his team doing whatnot. So I started doing it and running around. But the first, you know, few years of training, I truly believe it should be about a mental toughness component. I really, really, really do. I, I don't mean to say this like, oh, you know, we shouldn't care about form and we shouldn't care about how hard you're pushing your body. These things need monitored. But dude, can, can you go into a training session and elicit pain 
a conducive pain on your musculoskeletal system, not like your connective tissues, your joints, things like that, not on your actual skeleton. Can you elicit pain and can you push through a high pain tolerance um, in order to complete the training session and force yourself to improve? So, you know, I see this in my clients, often my clients who are former athletes like you, you were a football player. And I think I told you about the analogy once, like every set to me is fourth and one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like it's hard for me. So I I, did, I played football in middle school. I did not play in high school. Um, I don't know why. I was like, I was, I don't know. My parents, like, weren't super supportive of the whole football really? thing. We were nasty. Yeah. Nasty in football. So it really sucked to not be a part of this. Probably because um, uh, they had a lot of hope for your size for basketball. Yeah, I definitely, I, we, we definitely went all in on basketball because between eighth grade and my freshman year, there was an eight-inch growth spurt. Holy um, shit. Yeah, and I... I had really good ball skills. I haven't grown eight inches um, in 20 years. Well, you thought that, you know, you might get another three or four and I'm six, four all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then you can really start being serious about what your goals are within basketball. Right. right? But then I never grew anymore over six foot. I went from five, four to six foot. I stayed there, which honestly for me, I, I love, right. I don't yeah. want to be six, four right now. Yeah. yeah right now. Like yeah. honestly, I don't want to be an inch over six foot. Mm-hmm. Like I'm cool with six foot. I'm happy with it. But, you know, I use that fourth and one analogy that every set needs to be taken like fourth and one. Well, you know what that means. Like, you've been in a game when it's yep. fourth and one, and you really need the conversion. Yeah, there's no option. You yeah, have, you have, you, to, you have to get it or you're going to lose. Yep. And, you know, we, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, that, it's a simple analogy. And everyone has their fourth and one. You know, if you were a track star, maybe it's the last relay of the, or the last leg of the four by one. If you're swimming, maybe it's the last leg of the four by one. Um, you know, tennis, maybe it's tied in the final um, in the final set of the match, and you know you need to win that game. That's your fourth and one, eighteenth hole in golf. You know, everyone has their fourth and one, um, where there's a sense of urgency. That's kind of the message I'm trying to get across. You have to be able to train with an extreme sense of urgency. And if you can't ever tap into that, then it will hold you back until you're able to learn that. It will hold you back as a bodybuilder 100% not having a sense of urgency. It'll hold you back in your entire fitness journey. If you can't just kind of tap into it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you don't have to go full-blown, like... LeBron James zero dark 30 mode where he's an assassin all of a sudden. Yeah. But you need to be able to tap into something. Yeah. Like there's gotta be like a dark side that you yeah. need to tap into. It's like, okay, it's time to fucking go. Yeah. Like you need to at least be able to be a punter is about to pull off a, f- a fucking fake punt in the national championship game. or fucking 70 yard new. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. To flip the field position. Exactly. You need to at least be able to do that. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, and, and I think that, it's a very important part of training that's overlooked is what's the characteristic. I, I you know, I, I watch hundreds of training videos a day. All of my clients send me about three a week unless I have them send me a little bit more um, or if they've been with me a long time and I just do random checkups there. But I can watch you train all day and I can correct anyone's form and I can X, Y, Z, but I can't teach a sense of urgency. I can tell you to go harder. I can tell you I need to see more reps. I can tell you all that stuff. I can't teach you how to endure pain and continue pushing through. That's something that's strictly learned, you know, on you, on your own. And, you know, I, I, if, you, if you give me a client, if you give me a lot, an option between two clients 
And one client is someone who is like Brandon, right? Like not super genetically gifted in our sports, but we both turned out being really fucking good in the sports that we, that we love. Brandon was much better than I was, but being really good at the sports that we love because we worked really, really, really hard. Or you give me someone who doesn't have the mental backing of, of team athletics, but they're just a genetic monster. Like, dude, I know I'm I'm rolling with the guy who's going to be able to get down and dirty. Yeah. And I'm rolling with the guy who's going to punch you in the fucking mouth if that's what he has to do in order to get what he wants to get, which is, you know, winning a bodybuilding show, fighting for the last rep, beating the logbook, whatever it might be. I'm going to take that guy every single time um, because there's just something to be said about the ability to push. And so I want you guys to think about that. And I want you guys to, to, you know, really address that within yourself within your training session later today or tomorrow depending on what time you're hearing this podcast think about during the set can i endure more pain can can i welcome more pain and can i push through that pain but you know we we obviously want to keep ourselves in healthy and stable situations right so you know maybe actually I was listening to a Matt Jansen podcast um, the other day where he said how he likes having people learn to endure pain and train to failure. And I'm going to start incorporating this as well. I 100% stole it um, from Matt. He's going to have people get on a spin bike, ramp that spin bike up a pretty high resistance and go as hard as they possibly can pedal as hard as they possibly can until they literally cannot pedal anymore. You know, like what, you know, like what I'm kind of talking about, like, yeah. like when your legs are complete noodles, yep. I'm talking, you literally cannot push against the pedal anymore because neurologically the, the switch in your lower body uh, um, providing tension against the load just turns off because yeah. it's it's gone as toast. Like right? you go to get off the bike, you would fall down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you have to sit there and just be like, oh fuck. Mm-hmm. It can't be a light resistance. You know, with a light resistance, it's you know your your cardiovascular system is going to tap out before your musculoskeletal system. But so it needs to be pretty tough. It needs to be decently intense. Um, And and you want to ride that until you literally cannot push anymore. I mean, you can't really hurt yourself on a spin bike. It's really difficult to. It's a stable environment. It's not something that you have to control anything. You literally just have to push. Um, And I think that's a really good way. And so, you know, you listening to this. I mean, you might try that today or tomorrow before your training session. See how hard you're actually going in the gym. Because when you feel that where you can't even push against the pedal anymore, that's what failure That's what failure is like in the gym. That's how it feels in the gym. If you can finish a set and just stand up from it, you had way more left. And honestly, like we discussed in yesterday's podcast, um, you're training till three reps in reserve. Like we talked about reps and reserves kind of becoming a more apparent phenomenon within the industry. Three reps in reserve, dude, you cannot stand up out of that. That is a brutal session taken extremely deep and really, really, really hard. So you train three RIR even. So like imagine inside that, honestly, four RIR, you're pretty beat up. You're pretty hard, but you can probably stand up right after. The set, but dude, you don't feel that great. It takes probably 10, 15 seconds to come back. From a four RIR, three, I mean, it's going to take you 30, 40 seconds. Two, it's a minute. One RIR, dude, is, 
a minute and a half, two minutes failure. That's why we talk about, you know, take your time in between your sets when you're truly training, you know, to that failure point. Take your time between your sets. We don't need time to, you know, time to rest. That's, you're wasting energy by, well, and you're wasting stimulus, and I would almost call it junk volume if you go into the next set before you recover from the previous one. So I believe early on, you just need to learn how to train mentally. Um, after that, we kind of shape things into more form and to focused effort. So it's not like we just pull off you know, 185 pounds on the barbell and we just take it to fucking town, you know, hips raising off the bench and elbows cocking back and all that stuff. Like we, we, we have focused effort within, oh, you know, I can't complete another rep here with good form. Um, so I'm going to rack it. Um, and you know, we, we, we try to push that consistently. We try to push for that other good formed rep week over week but we're not necessarily keeping a logbook at this point we're kind of just learning our way around the gym um you know that this is this is big you know this is past learning like what the movements are called and stuff I'm, when i say learning our way around the gym it's like what works for you um this isn't like very beginner level it's probably more intermediate level uh, than most people would consider this what works for you what do you feel um you know what do you like to do? What biases the target muscles that you're looking for? Things like that. That's kind of phase two. So phase one, mental. Phase two, learn how to apply your effort um, to proper form and to understand your way around the gym. This is where most people are is phase three. And by most people, there's a lot of competitors who are here. There's a lot of competitors who place really well at shows who are in this place. There's IFBB pros who are here in number three. I'm um, understand I have five steps here. Okay. It's going to be like the five phases of training mastery, if you will. That's the title of the podcast. Just came up with it right there. So this is where most people are. You learn how to train for physique enhancement. This is when we really kind of have things dialed in. Your nutrition is dialed in. The supplementation, you know, that's beneficial to your performance in the gym, your recovery, your longevity is dialed in. We probably start looking into some body work here and there, maybe once every couple months or something like that, because we're not beating ourselves up too bad. But also, we're still like rather new to actually training hard. It, like, again, rather new to training hard. I mean, you there's people six, seven, eight years deep in the gym who are still here. Um, like truly training hard is a, it's a different monster than what people truly believe that it is. Um, and again, like we discussed 131, I believe you have to really watch someone do it. Mm -hmm. So I watch the training videos. Um, you, you think know, you're training hard. Yeah. You think you th you're training hard until, you know, you step into the gym with me. Who's able to actually push you to a place. Oh yeah. You um, watch your, watch you push yourself past three yeah. hour and then into failure. Yeah. Right? there's a rule that they uh, have at gym one, which is like, there's always five more. Like you can always find a way somehow to get five more reps, right? right? And like they're not off base there. Um, I actually think it's a really good thought process for people who are at step three or before. But this is learning how to train for physique enhancement. So we usually up the volume here. We have more of a progressive split. Might be push-pull legs. It might be, um, you know, posterior focused legs, anterior focused legs upper body for you know some females might be a bro split you know it, it might be anything there we're just trying to add volume to each body part uh to enhance more growth more stimulus um and and you know to further master movements this is 
usually where effort is upped, um, again, you know, we have focused effort, but the effort is upped here because we're usually able to take sets a little bit further and deeper um, with proper form. And, you know, now we kind of incorporate that whole intent word with proper form and intent. We're able to just take a set further, um, not risking injury, targeting the bias muscle, things like that. We probably, most people here utilize a coach because they realize that it's a little bit outside of their skill level to be able to, you know, have them progress here within this place. Um, they usually, this is kind of when we start utilizing intensifiers as well. And a big reason I start utilizing intensifiers here is because I want to get you to the next step now. I want to get you to step four where I would say, you know, I would say um, people who go to the gym, uh, people people who look like they know what they're doing in the gym, about 85% are here on step three. Step four, I'd say there's about 12%. And step five, I'd say there's, no, there's about, actually, I would say there's less than 1% at step five. So I guess they need to divvy up the numbers a little bit better. <laughs> we got to redo our math. We got to redo our fucking math here. We're missing about 4%. <laughs> Other 4%. Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> Other 4% just not working. They're on something. the cardio machines. They're on the, yeah, they're crushing the go. card. <laughs> so, what are intensifiers and, and why do we bring them in here? One, why do we bring them in here? Um, you know, it forces you to take a set further than you would um, if it was just a straight set. It forces you to focus on proper form, uh, focus on pushing your pain management uh, further than you would if it was just a straight set. Um, you know, it... Man, it, it kind of just forces you to like act like be like a bodybuilder, mm -hmm. um, you know, within the intensifiers. So, what are intensifiers? Well, the main ones, there's you know, lots of different ones. The main ones like drop set, cluster sets, um, rest pause sets, um, you know, things of the like. Pyramiding sets aren't very common anymore, thank God. Um, but like things of the like. So, what's that look like? A drop set. Pretty simple. It's going to be three mini sets. Uh, you take, you know, mini set one to failure, drop the load, what, about 15, 20%. Take next set to failure, drop the load, about 15, 20%. We don't really want any more than like three or five seconds there in between each set. We're dropping the load so we can essentially push that fiber uh, further than where it was going to stop and, and, and tap out after the first set. So, the, you know, the first set there should be relatively heavy. It should be a true working set weight. Um, and then we drop the load. There's more fibers that are going to be recruited because other fibers are fatigued out and not able to contribute to moving the load. Those fibers will come into play. They'll start moving the load. They'll start moving the load. Uh, you know, you reach failure. There's some other fibers that are now tapped out. We're digging deeper and deeper and deeper into the muscle. You know, the last set comes up where, again, we drop the load and we're cranking it out till death. And it's going to feel really, really, really bad. But again, we're recruiting deeper and deeper fibers to help move the load that's a massive stimulus right um and you know there's really only two ways um 
there's really only two ways to recruit the maximal amount of fibers possible. One's training extremely heavy, but if we're training extremely heavy, it's probably not for very many reps. Because you know, when you're training extremely heavy, um, like doing one or three rep max stuff, every fiber within that target region has to contract against the load in order for it to move. There's also never a lot of bias here within the extremely heavy training, unless you know, you're gifted with a, you know, really, really good biomechanical setup that allows you to be in an extremely advantageous position to just consistently target the bias within a certain, you know, ROM, regardless of how you're moving it. Um, and the other one is to taking a set really, 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 really far. So these are kind of the two ways to really build, like that's how big fucking physiques are built. And incorporating the two together is, you know, a beautiful thing. That's kind of how, that's how we train. Um, that's how like, you know, Nick Walker will train. That's how like Matt Burzcott will train. Um, that, you know, that, that, that's how, that's how big guys fucking train. You want a dense physique. You want to really slab on some poundages. You, you know, you, you got to train like you mean it. Um, you're not going to see many people taking an 80% weight to three RIR and being fucking yoked out of their minds. You're not going to find it um, very much. Right. There, there's going to there be are, some. There are some people yeah, out there. There yeah. are some people, you know, they're going to be um, commonly genetically inclined. But that was what but, you were talking about earlier is like you would rather take that hard worker absolutely. over that talent. Who, who's going to take that fucking set all the way and then go mm-hmm. home and do the shit it takes to recover? Right. I'm going to take that every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, that's, that's essentially the backbone of how real fucking large physiques are built. Um, and, you know, f- folks can argue with me on this, but, like, the proof is kind of in the pudding, and, like, it's dense proof. It's some very dense proof. Um, and then, you know, you have a rest pulse set. So that's where the, the weight's not going to change here within a rest pulse set. Again, it's three subsequent mini sets um, wrapped into one full set. And each set, again, taken to failure, we're going to have 15 seconds in between each set. So crush set one, failure, rest 15 seconds. You know, catch your breath um, as much as you can in 15 seconds and go again. Set two, take to failure, same load. Set one, 15 seconds, and then you do it again for set three. And then a cluster set, how I run cluster sets, is I'll pick a load. Um, like the last time we did a cluster set was dumbbell ladder raises, so I picked 65-pound dumbbells. And I said, I'm going to do sets of eight until I can't get sets of eight anymore, and I believe I got four and a half sets of eight. That's essentially a cluster set. Yeah. Um, you pick a load, you do as much as you can, take 10, 15 seconds in between each one, and you go until you just can't achieve a number anymore. So like set one, you're going to have like maybe one to three RIR. Set two, you might have one to three RIR. And then after that, I mean, you're kind of running on fumes just trying to move it. Yeah. Um, How many sets would you say you're trying to get out of that? Like what's too much where you're saying like, okay, you need to bump the load? Yeah, I think like two, man, if you're like over like six – Success. If you get to six, that's really good, but that means we need to bump the load. Right. And if it's like two or under, if we can't like get to three, so I think between three and six is a sweet spot. And there. to be clear, it's not get to eight. It's like, is it, is it eight plus? No, it's at least eight. It's, it's just eight. Just eight. It's just eight. Just that's eight. how I run closer. So okay, I go to eight. I set the weight down. Ten seconds. I think it did. Uh, I did 12 seconds, 12 seconds, pick it up, eight, set the weight down, eight, okay. set the weight. So that's how I do it. I know mm-hmm. there's some people kind of have a spinoff on cluster sets. That's kind of how to utilize intensifiers, if you will. So the fourth step is learning how to train for competition. 
So this is going to be your more advanced competitors. This is going to be the figure girls who are really dense, the women's physique competitors who are good. This is going to be your muscular divisions who are, you know, achieving at a high level on stage. There are some you know, uh, uh, men and women who aren't as muscular who are within these as well. But most of the people you find here are going to be muscular people. Mm -hmm. um, people just with, you know, a really, really good look to their physique. And again, who are, you know, placing very well against a lot of people with, with muscle. You don't know um, these people, who these people are. Yeah, yeah. These, these, these ones them? you don't need to ask. Yeah. These ones, there's not a tweener, right? Mm -hmm. So these are... These, these people are, you know, they're cranking the moderate volume. Intensifiers are going to be used. They definitely have a coach, and they just follow the plan. They execute the plan. They go slightly above um, and, be, and, and beyond at some points, but they're going in and they're executing the plan. They likely have a really good coach who has a pretty detailed plan laid out for them, um, but they're, they're executing the plan. Now, what separates four to five? is number five is learning how to train for high-level competition. This is taking the plan to the next level. This is you pull the volume back. You are completely mastering intentful work day after day, working through your movements with active range of motion, partials, things of the like that are very, very, very conducive to you targeting and biasing specific muscles that really need to grow. They're on very specific splits. They're targeting very specific places of their body. They're manipulating angles. They're manipulating the tools that they use to hit those angles. They really hone in on recovery. These people probably get body work done anywhere from two to four times um, a month. It's kind of the the way they can really stay upright. The intensity is over the top. These are the people that you really want to go watch train. You want to have a front row seat to watching these people train to understand what it takes to be a really good competitor. Okay. Um, these are people who go above and beyond with the protocol. So they're definitely going to have a good coach or a coach who's proven. And they're definitely going to execute that plan. Like, there is no tomorrow. Like these are the level five people. They train for high level competition. Competing is, uh, is not just part of their life. It's a majority of their life. Yeah. Like winning the, the, you know, these are very seasoned competitors. No one in there, like no one going into show number one is here. Cause like, I, I truly believe uh, like, again, we talked about yesterday, part of becoming a good competitor is learning how to operate like one. Like, how can you just switch into robot mode where everything's in complete autopilot? There's no variance. There's no deviation. It's just I work, I eat, I sleep, I stress mitigate. I recover, I work, I eat, I sleep, I stress yep. somebody, I recover. How can you get there? How can you turn that on? And usually these people have had their ass kicked. They've won. They've won. I think you start winning high-level shows in number four. But after getting your ass kicked a few times, and yeah. you kind of tell yourself, like, I don't want to fucking feel that again. After you get your ass kicked a few times, and then after you win, it's like, oh, fuck, I can't not feel that feeling anymore. Right. Um, like, these are kind of those people who've just kind of taken it to an extreme. Um, and, you know, it definitely takes years to get here. It takes, um, you know, being a seasoned vet to get here. Like, for someone like Brandon, again, you know, like I said, and, and same with Megan, um, same with Danielle, um, you know, so, same with people like that who train around us every single day. Um, like, Ty's going to get here. Um, uh, I think John's, you know, going to be here real soon. Um, but, like, they, you know, they get to train with Jess Padilla and, and myself and then Ashley Jones here soon every yeah. day. Like, you guys mm -hmm. are on a fucking rocket ship mm -hmm. to this fucking place. I think Ty's really close. Yeah. 
I think throughout this prep, Ty's going to get to number five. Yeah, I think so, too. He's, I, he's I think starting he's, to manipulate angles like yeah, we were talking about. I, I think he's getting close right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like, I, I don't I don't hold his hand. I don't baby him, um, you know, around, like, trying to find nooks and crannies everywhere. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I try to really allow him um, to find his place within the sport, and I really feel good about where he's at yeah, right now he's with like, it. He's such a, like, large specimen already. Yeah. He's just, like, molding himself. Exactly. That's, That's kind of where doing. we're at. Yeah. It's, it's not really physique enhancement anymore. It's, it's, it's like carving it yeah, out. Exactly. It's just like little and touch-ups and like perfecting it for the stage. Exactly. Yeah. And so like, I mean, I would say he's like 4.85. Yeah. <laughs> like he's knocking on that door, yeah, right? When he talks and he says something like, uh, you know, I'm just not feeling it. I'm not doing this, yeah. this exercise anymore. I'm not feeling it where, yeah. I'm, try, where I'm supposed yeah, to feel m- it. Most people don't have that no, awareness. No, and they the don't. Gym. And they'll just be like, okay, I'm going to do this anyway because yeah. this is a chest they exercise. They do it because they're supposed to do it. Yeah. Flat dumbbell bench is a chest yeah. exercise. Yeah. So I'm going to do it to grow my chest. Exactly. Well, I'm not feeling it in my chest. But I'm still going to do it. That's the difference. Yeah, that's the conversation we had today because, you know, he was struggling with his recruitment there. Meanwhile, like, I'm getting the best recruitment I've ever gotten there. Same. Um, you know, after spending time in the Smith flat press, you know, it's been really good. But like I said, um, what identify what level you're at. Um, whichever level you're at, you need to, you know, decide what it's going to take, what loose ends you need to shore up in order to get to the next level. Um, you know, there's even when you're at level five, it's not like it just stops. Like now you're diving deep into what level five is. Mm-hmm. I mean, realistically, you could even say there's level six, whereas people like Phil, um, you know, Dexter, um, where Kai was at the end, where Jay was at the end, um, that, you train, you train hard, but you're not really like training to grow. You're just kind of, you're, you're, man, how would you even describe it? You're just training to take a 99.2% to a 99.25%. And it's just a little, it's just a little more of a refined physique. Almost like you just, you're training not to regress. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what it is. Mm-hmm. If we can just get a 0.5% better over mm-hmm. the next 12 months, then the job was accomplished. Like right. that's like the very high level people yep. that have been doing this for so long that their minimum ceiling threshold points so high, they can't even reach it without injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you have to get really creative in your approach to at that point, um, you know, drugs, diet, recovery, and training. Um, that's why a lot of the top guys will take, you know, a couple months off after the Olympia to allow that minimum simulated threshold points to come down. And now we can maybe make some progress. Right. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I encourage you guys to identify where you're at, identify your mental weaknesses, um, you know, as well as your physical weaknesses are holding you back from going into that next step. Um, and I also want to, you know, make it very apparent the different call, different goals call for different extremes. You don't need to be in level four or five if you just want to be really fucking hot and look good, right? right? And you're, well, you, I, I, I don't think you can really get to four or five if you just want to be really hot and look good. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to kind of know where you want to be, where you fall right now, um, and then like not reaching out of your scope. Yeah. Right. That's a competitor mindset. Four yeah. Or five. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a high level like I want to win shows competitor mm-hmm. mindset, mm-hmm. and not just say I want to win shows like you actually want to like do what it takes and like suffer you know the way that it takes to suffer to win shows. Um, I know when, when I started out training, there's a funny story I shared the other day at the gym. When I started out training, um, I remember doing this set and this is, this is another set that really provided me some, you know, mental toughness, if you will, is we would finish the session on an isolation movement for your shoulders, arms, um, or shoulders, biceps, triceps, whatever that 
we'd start the weight one place. We would do like 10 sets within this one mini set. And after every single set, you reach failure every set. And then your spotter just puts the pin anywhere on the board. <laughs> and you reach failure within that set. So yeah. like you can go from like 60 pounds on a straight bar curl all the way down to the whole stack. You only get it for like one, maybe two. And then he moves it, you know, just all around. It can jump yeah. all around everywhere. And that's not conducive to fucking anything. Yeah. It's truly not. But what I will say is it was those kind of sets. It was doing that dumbass stuff. It was doing the shit that doesn't actually re that doesn't actually progress you as a competitor and as a bodybuilder. It might, like I said, be a little bit stupid and careless with your physique. It was doing shit like that that it kind of took for me to get to this point of you know, toughness and form within within the training session and, and pain mm -hmm. management within the training session that like I don't think it should be discouraged from really going extreme. Mm -hmm. I, I I say that tongue in cheek because I don't want people out there getting hurt and shit. Right. I was really fortunate that I never really got injuries since I got to that level five place. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I went through my whole Ohio prep without any injuries at all. Yeah. Um, and, you know, ever since then, it, it you know, it seems like things have been a little tough um, with the injury bug, but I think you can make it through that as long as you're just an intelligent being, honestly, as long as you're just paying attention to your physique. And back then, remember, I was training seven days a week. Yo. I mean, I would take maybe one or two rest days a month. Yeah, I was right? in the same boat. I yeah. The same shit. And you're just going crazy. You're going all out, hog wild. I used to do wild. the dumbest sets. Like, you would put yeah. as many tens as you could find on a, on a flat bench, put and them on the side, yep. and crank them off. Yep. Each as when you back up, like yep. a pyramid, like yeah, that. It's a like, pyramid set. Yeah, you're doing a total of like sixty something reps yeah. right there, and like that's not again, that's not super conducive to really anything at all other than overtraining. Yep. and like that's acute overtraining to a T. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it's bad. I I, I also I, while I bring up overtraining, I want to touch on the difference between overtraining and overreaching. Overreaching is something that's good. You want to do this daily. Overreaching is you reach past that minimum seemingly threshold point, but then you do what it takes to recover. So don't be scared of overreaching because that's how we progress and that's how our physique improves. Actual overtraining is you're training more than you are able to recover from. I think it's something that needs learned what overtraining actually is. And a lot of new people have no idea what it's overtraining actually is. Too. It is vastly different from everyone. But, you know, the symptoms are pretty common. It's achy joints. It's uh, lack of motivation. It's poor sleep. It's dropped off libido. It's crushed hunger. Um, you know, it's like a fog, a mental fog feeling. It's a high RHR. It's probably a higher BG. You might be getting sick. You're immunocompromised. Um, like things like that, that all contributes to overtraining. It's a pretty good sign of yeah. overtraining. Right. to be honest mm -hmm. um i think it's important to know where these places are so can i say it tongue-in-cheek i think people need to learn how to be tough before they learn how to be good in the gym because there's a lot of fucking sissies out there and i can't lie it sucks when you fucking bring someone on as a client take a risk on them and they turn out to be a sissy yep. like that's really fucking tough so episode 132 i hope you guys enjoyed i'll see you next time when you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.